Welcome to episode 12 of Cape Sports Now. It is Tuesday, May 29th. I hope everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day. I'm Matt Goisman alongside St- Steve Jordarian, and we are in the final week of the regular season. It seems to have flown by. There was a few re- weeks when the rain meant we didn't think any games were going to get played, and now teams are almost done. Yeah, I think by and large, a lot of credit to the schools um, who, who have gotten the fields together. And I mean, May hasn't been that bad of a month, but especially the athletic directors are going to reshuffle schedules, coordinate buses, mm-hmm. all of them. They've done a really good job of, of getting those games in. And I know in the spring it's always a nightmare yep. for a lot of these schools. So credit to them for, for getting to what really isn't that busy of a final week. I mean, we yeah. have a lot of games that are that are important for playoff implications, but for the most part, not a lot of teams are either resting or playing some you know, non-traditional games right. this week. You know, I or mean, scrimmaging. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, most of the teams have either made the playoffs or lost too many games to make it at this point. So there's really only two or three uh, teams in any sport uh, that still has a chance where these games really matter. So for everyone else, it's either you play for seeding or if you're like baseball and softball, you play to set up your pitching rotation or you give – if you're, uh, if you want to, you give like some of your seniors who don't play maybe a chance to get in a couple of games, a couple of minutes here and there. We can you know. go San Francisco 49ers style and just play spoiler. Exactly. <laughs> you know, however you want to do it. Um, so for the seedings, uh, Friday we're going to have boys and girls tennis, and we are going to have boys and girls lacrosse. We have lots of teams in all of those sports who are uh, going to be making it, and we'll have previews in both the print edition of the Cape Cod Times and CapeCodTimes.com/sports. So be sure to check that out to see who's in and who they match up against. Uh, and then on Tuesday, we have seedings for baseball and softball. Right. Um, and, I mean, yeah, looking at the standings, I mean, if you look at it from all Cape teams, you're usually going to have about 10 teams roughly making it in the postseason, give or take a few. Yeah. So it, it is cool to see the majority represented in, in that sense. So mm-hmm. it'll definitely uh, be worth looking at um, – some of these matchups here, because when you look at baseball, for example, those seedings come out a week from today, and we got an interesting game tonight. Barnstable and Falmouth completing what was we initially thought was a finalized I game. I think they thought it was a finalized <laughs> game, too, yeah. Uh, go ahead if you want to explain that one. Sure. So Fal- uh, Barnstable was beating Falmouth 7-3 to after six innings over at uh, Gov Fuller Field, Falmouth's home field. Uh, and then they had some kind of malfunction with the lights or it got too dark and the lights wouldn't turn on. And initially that had just been ruled a completed game. And that would have been Barnstable's 10th win and gotten them in the playoffs. Instead, they got word about a week and a half ago that the MIAA said, no, you have to finish that game. So they're going to pick this game up in the seventh with Barnstable winning seven to three. So they just got to get three outs and they are in. And right. if they can't do it, then they could do it Friday against DY, which is a team they did beat 6-2 earlier this season. So they're in a good position for Mark Bonavita to get his team to the playoffs in his first year as head coach. Yeah, and the good news is you could really send anybody to the Mount Barnstable well-rested here. And after tonight's game, you know, it would hopefully for them only be one inning. Yeah, it's but basically a bullpen You section. send anyone back back Friday, and they'll be full and ready to go right. in case you need that game. But, yeah, definitely Barnstable is going to want those couple wins there. I think 11 wins stands out a little bit more in Division oh, I 1 think than so 10. Especially for some of those larger schools who play 20, 22 games mm-hmm. a season. So, definitely Barnstable is going to need that one to end on a high note. But, you know, Falmouth is a team that never quits. You know, yeah. that, that's not an easy team to put away. 
especially with some of those hitters at the top of the order. And really, all one through nine, the game I covered last week found with a DY, the number nine hitter probably was their best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Malconi out of the yep. nine spot probably had the best played appearance of, of any of them. So there you go. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens in this one. For Barnstable, you know, who are they going to pitch? They've got relievers, but they may just opt to throw a starter, in which case the um, Jordan Leandre has had probably the best season, 5-2 and two with a 2-6-0 earned run average, uh, 37.2 innings pitched. So basically he's had one or two fewer starts than Casey Proto, mm-hmm. who is 4-2 and two with 311 ERA, 19 strikeouts in 45 innings, so a much higher strikeout rate than uh, Leandre. But I would imagine Bonavita won't mess around too much and will just throw one of them out there to try to finish this thing up. In a game like that, you just need a guy who goes out there and throws strikes. Don't Walks are going to be your worst enemy, right? Make them right. put the ball in play. Make them hit it to your fielders. Barnstable's done a pretty good job all around fielding this year. so Absolutely. And, you know, Barnstable will get one more chance to add to that lead, right. too. So see if Colby Burke, who leads the team with a 389 batting average, can get something done. Matt Kled is hitting 311. He scored the most runs with 15. That's Those two are where a lot of the offense has come from for Barnstable this year. Those are kind of your top two hitters. Um, but uh, hopefully, you know, so if you're Barnstable, you want to just get these three outs, preserve your lead, make the playoffs, and uh, not have to worry about that game against DY, which is always – you know, a rival school. And what I liked about Barnstable, I mean, they played really good situational baseball. Yeah. You look at three wins, New Bedford, Pittsfield, and Bridgewater Raynham, all situational, either walk-off scenarios, squeeze plays, things like mm-hmm. that. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. You know, the thing that interests me big picture in baseball, especially when we start to look at the postseason, yep. it seems like in recent years there's been those teams kind of who just got in, maybe had nine or ten wins, mm-hmm. who've seen to make a run. I mean, you look at uh, Upper Cape last year, it was a good example sure. of that, a number seven seed. Now, granted, they got help from St. John Paul being upset in the first round, yes. <laughs> but still were able to make that run, get mm-hmm. a few wins, and get themselves to a sectional final. And when you look at the baseball standings this year, when you look at you know the teams that are just in Upper Cape again, ten and nine, Marshall's nine and eight, kind of teetering right. on there. They're not in yet. Falmouth ten and eight, Dy ten and seven, Bourne ten and seven. Yeah, all those teams in theory have enough talent to make a run. And, Absolutely. And, and in a game like baseball, where really you're going to send out your number one in the first round. A low-scoring game could go either way. It doesn't matter what the you know the number next to your to your school name is. So for sure, it's kind of unique in that sense in baseball. Definitely, last team I think in baseball that's that still has a shot to get in is Sturgis West. They are right. seven and seven. They are playing Rising Tide, a Cape and Islands League rival, on Wednesday. Um, so the last game Sturgis West played, Jonathan uh, was a win against Cape Tech. Uh, Jonathan Cloutier went the distance, struck out five, seven hits, a walk. Um, that was a real close game that that they were able to just pull out. Um, I think, yeah, Sturgis West won two to one. John Avis doubled and scored in the first inning, and John Nunes uh, drove in Jacob Papillo, and that was it. And then the pitching had to carry them. So they'll need to win another close one probably, but they are in position to get in. Mm-hmm. So then we'll transition it over to softball real sure. quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we seem like we talk about them every week, but Dennis Yarmouth, you know, nine and nine again, haven't really left themselves a lot of room for error no. here. Two games left are at Monomoy today. That'll obviously be a challenge. Monomoy won the first matchup between the teams, and then if if they don't get it done today, they're going to be at Sturgis West, Sturgis East. Or excuse me, what I say, West East <laughs> later in the week, and. D.Y. beat Sturgis East early in the season 3 nothing, but that's certainly not going to be – neither of those games are going to be easy. Both are playoff teams. Both are teams that have really played impressive softball this year. Absolutely. So. 
And they're both coming off huge, like just blowout route wins. Monomoy beat Cape Tech 26 to zero. Molly Sharest had 14 strikeouts in a five inning game. So mm-hmm. that's 14 strikeouts and 15 outs. Uh, and she hit four for five. Sturgis East routed St. John Paul the second. It was a 13 0 win for the Storm. Gabby McKinnon allowed three hits in the, uh, and shut out the Lions. And she also hit two home runs, including a grand slam. Mm-hmm. Aubrey LeBlanc homered. So DY, you know, they kind of put themselves in this position, but they are going to have to beat a playoff caliber team to make it. Now, DY is coming off a 14-2 win over Nosset in the Constellation Finals of the Cape Cod Showdown, so they can hit and they can play well, but Nosset is not as good a team as Monomoy or Sturgis East. So, mm-hmm. you know, Maddie Medeiros hit three for four with four RBIs against Nosset. They're going to need that kind of offense again mm-hmm. from somebody maybe two people in the same game in one of these two games this week if they want to get into the playoffs. And the reason we focus so much on DY is that that team just – it's a good program, first of all. And But yeah. Yeah, just top to bottom, there's a lot of talent in there, and, and we've seen it in past years. And, and what would be kind of in a weird twist, if they were somehow able to win these two games mm-hmm. here and with their first-round struggles the past two years, if they were somehow able to get into the postseason – they have the talent where they could knock off the team. Yeah. I mean, you looked at how they played Marshall on the road earlier this year. Right. Marshall arguably has one of the best pitchers in the state. So, I mean, in theory, DY gets to the postseason. Anything could happen. Yeah. I and mean, how incredible would it be if they just snuck into the postseason and ended up going on the longest run they've had? For sure. I mean, they were able to beat Nantucket, who was a very good team this year. Right. You know, and was playing very good softball when they played them. So, DY has the capability absolutely of winning either of these games, but they're going to need four or five players to step up all in the same game. And I don't think they have consistently been able to do that Mm -hmm. for multiple games in a row. And the reason we keep talking about them is because they have hung around and waited this long to clinch a spot. If they had taken care of business a little earlier in the season, we wouldn't need to, they wouldn't be in this position. So, you know, hard road, but a, a surmountable one for sure. What's interesting, you look at the softball, I have it right in front of me, the teams mm-hmm. that are clinched. We only have five teams that are in as of right now. Yeah. I mean, you have Monomoy, obviously, he's dominated. Sturgis East, Falmouth, Sandwich, and Nantucket. That's it. That's mm-hmm. five teams. I mean, it shows you how much parity there's kind of been and, and how even play there's been throughout the, um, the Cape and Island schools this year. And, and what's the gap between the first and the second team in the Cape Sandings? I mean, Monomoy is 18 and 2. 18 and 2, and Sturgis East we have at 10 and 5. Okay, so one, there's a huge gap between the, games. the best team right. clearly on the Cape and one of the best teams, I would argue, in right. Southeastern Mass and everybody else in the area. So, you know, this was Monomoy's softball season. Right. They ruled this season And then just to sure. back up real quickly, baseball, the teams that are in St. John Paul, mm-hmm. Mashpee, Sandwich, yep. Monomoy, and then we mentioned these, Bourne, D.Y., Falmouth, and Upper Cape. Pretty much all playoff, like season playoff teams. These are these are all the teams that go Uh most years, you know. But that is definitely the five that are in for softball. It's a lower number than we're used to seeing. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Turn over to lacrosse. Well, real quickly, something I want to mention is softball. (laughs) Um, Sturgis West coach Michelle Aceto is going to be retiring at the end of uh, the season, which comes Friday at Barnstable. Mm -hmm. And she's had an interesting run. She was at St. John Paul too previously. A story I kind of actually dug up today from a few years back. So she's been married to her wife Margaret about she married her wife Margaret about five years ago, mm-hmm. and she used to work for what was at the time Pope John Paul II over here in Hyannis. And apparently, the follower of diocese asked for a res- resignation because of that. Wow! And you know, she she didn't blame the diocese at first. Obviously, she was disappointed, mm-hmm. but 
she was able to find a new coaching gig at Sturgis West and two years ago took that team all the way to the Division Three semifinal. So, and that team came out of nowhere, right. that Navigator squad. Right. She does a lot with the Cape Cod Riptide. And, I mean, and outside the sport, I mean, she's certified addiction registered nurse. I mean, working with – doing a lot of really good work at a time where – that work can be underappreciated and undervalued at times. So And really critical with everything that's right. going on in Massachusetts and the Cape these days. So uh, we, wish, we wish Michelle the best. And um, the tweet from last week when we found this out said, I'll try not to cry the, <laughs> during the game, but I'm sure there'll be some tears. You know, reading the story, you know, past players of her have attended her wedding. I mean, she means a lot to all the kids she has coached in the past. And, you know, and they don't make coaches like her <laughs> anymore. For sure. So, or not very often. So, um our hats off to her and best of luck in, in her future with uh cool with that. And yes, we can turn it over to actually do you want to turn it over to tennis or do you want to go to lacrosse? Do you like hearing me talk or do you want to talk for a while? Why don't we go with lacrosse real quickly? <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> so we got one bubble team here for girls lacrosse. That would be the Nosset um girls lacrosse team. They're hosting Barnstable at five thirty PM tomorrow, Wednesday. Bit of a I guess not really a night game per se, maybe the tail end of it. But uh eight nine for Nosset. They're playing Barnsville. Funny enough, they're below 500, but they won the OCL and they're going to get themselves a postseason spot. But this That's is a one real way to get in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Nasa can sneak in with just this one victory. It was a real close game the first time these two teams played. It was a 12 11 decision to Nasa. I mean, it should make for a great rematch. You know, and really what's going to be interesting is seeing Maddie Daly, if you can step up in a big game like this. She has 58 goals this year mm-hmm. and only one assist, and I know she's been the player to focus on. Yep. So, um, it's going to be her that's going to need to step up. Melissa Edney, Eliza Stevens, Allie Taylor, Madeline Fleming, all are very capable of putting the ball in the net. And then, and it's going to be Daly and at least one of those others who are going to have to step up in a game like that. And, and you know, we were talking before the show, you know, even though Barnesville's 5-9, and nine, they have a lot of talent on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at 100-goal scorer Allison Carter, for Absolutely. example, obviously she's had a great great career here at Barnesville. Not, not a senior, to, right? So she's got another. Oh, she, she's, is she a senior? No. I think she was a junior. Either way, Whoever. <laughs> she's done a great job uh, leading that basketball team. It plays a very difficult schedule. For sure. And, you know, that's not going to be an easy game to, to win there. So uh, we'll see what uh, Coach uh, Heather Sheaves can drop for uh, Nosset cool. on that one. Um, the girls across, looking at the teams that are clinched, we have Falmouth at 17-1, and one, Falmouth Academy 14 and 14-2. Then going down the list here, we got Sandwich, Martha's Vineyard, Mashby, Monomoy, Nantucket, and St. John Paul. Nosset looking to join mm-hmm. the ranks there with Barnstable. And really, I was looking at last week, you know, Falmouth Friday with a with an overtime win over Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard's really done an outstanding job this year. I know we got to talk to them a little bit. Hopefully we get out and cover them a little bit. They're going to be at DY. And really, you look at Addie Heyman's done an outstanding mm-hmm. job, a great score. And you look at Martha's Vineyard, they're a team that, you know, they could make a sneaky playoff run here. Depending on you know how far you know she's going to carry them. Sure, most of the teams you uh, you're describing, I think they'd all wind up in Division Two South for the playoffs, right? Because there's only two divisions in girls across. Well, Sandwich is in Division One last year. I believe they're going down to two this year. I'd have to okay. check with that. But in the past, Sandwich has been one, and, and it's so tough. You know, when you look at the difference in size of schools between Fallon and Fallon Academy. Yeah, those standings wise are two best teams, but obviously two completely different programs, oh, yeah. different school size. So it is unfortunate. To kind of see them in the Division Two side of things together, you wish there was a third division. I think as the sport expands, mm-hmm. they're going to be able to get that and and get some of the Norwells and the Cohasses, sure. the traditional powerhouses, 
it from the South Shore kind of into either higher division or put it into a little more balanced division. Like you kind of see mm -hmm. in boys, Division Two is a little more packed because it has all talented teams that are just smaller schools. Absolutely. So what? But what that means is we could get a number of all cave matchups in the playoffs from you Absolutely. know we, with all yep. the teams in. You know we could be seeing. Mash, you know, uh, Falmouth could face Falmouth Academy, or St. Right. John Paul could have to play Falmouth mm -hmm. in the first round, or something like that. So, right. and the tournament committee, I think they take some of those things into consideration, but it's not—it's not a perfect system. And no, it never it's is. It's so. mostly based on record, and I right. think there's some like voting and seating stuff that right. goes on as well. Um, but really impressive to see Falmouth this year, seventeen and one. Their only loss was to Marshfield, but mm -hmm. I think they're going to find that refreshing as is Falmouth Academy, not to have that undefeated monkey hanging on their back. It's just we're a good team. We played well all season. Now it's time to roll. We can't lose or we're going home. Absolutely. If it found with Academy, credit to them for scheduling old Rochester twice this year. Two losses, but definitely those are the kind of teams you're going to see in the postseason. Yeah. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, a team like Sandwich has played well down the stretch, too. Coach Kelsey Beaton's done a really good job with that squad. They had a couple difficult losses, especially to Falmouth earlier mm -hmm. in the year, but that team's rebounded nicely. And Sam Garassi having an outstanding season. In an outstanding career. I mean, Sam's right. been, like, one of their key scorers Being for a number of years. Being looked at by UMass Lowell Division yep. One schools. So we'll see where she ends up. And then going over to boys lacrosse, surprisingly, we don't have any bubble here. We have uh, Nantucket, Bourne, Falmouth, Sandwich, Upper Cape, Monomoy, Nosset, and St. John Paul, the teams it's I had in. a decent in. number, yeah. Right, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It has eight teams in, right, yeah. in that range we talked about earlier. St. John Paul was the latest team to actually get uh, get itself in. They beat Surgis mm -hmm. East with a goal with 13 seconds left. That gave them the win they needed to get into the postseason at nine and nine. Really, it's going to be interesting to see Nantucket, a team 16 and two, has a lot of talented goal scorers. It's just, you know, sometimes in Division Three they kind of get an unfortunate matchup, and mm -hmm. you know they've scored 242 goals. That's great, and you know. And some of these teams that they're going to run into are probably going to play a little bit better defense. So it'll be really interesting to see a lower-scoring game, how Nantucket might fare. Mm -hmm. um, team like Bourne's been impressive. Obviously, they went undefeated yeah, they're... in the South Coast Conference there. And guys like uh, Mac he Max Hess leading the way. And Christian Mulker. Christian Mulker, an outstanding. And then Falmouth, really, I think this might be the most talented in the field mm -hmm. for Division Two. They have a sour taste in their mouth. They lost 5-4 in the Division II semifinal South semifinals last year. But what's really impressed me is that down the stretch, and they've been playing, they kind of got their league schedule out early. They went and played King Phillip twice, beat them twice. They have mm -hmm. Weymouth coming up this way. It's their only game. Yep. You know, this is a team that is really talented, and I think is going to make a run to the final. We'll see who they're matched up with. Obviously, the matchups, we don't know yet. And in Division Two, two wins, and you're in the final. Yeah. So it's a small bracket. There's only so many teams that qualify in that in that. Um, part of the tournament, so you know, I, I think Falmouth has the best chance to to make a to make a run at okay. things. So that's about cool. all we have for boys lacrosse. Um, let's go to tennis. Yeah, let's go to tennis. So as we said, seedings come out for uh, for Friday for boys and girls. Sandwich boys are seven and seven. They have a shot to get in, but it is not going to be easy. Um, <laughs> they have three matches this week. They play Carver, who they did beat earlier this season, uh, five nothing. So you figure they'll be able to win that one. But then their other two matches are both monsters. They have Falmouth, um, Sandwich plays Falmouth uh, on uh, tomorrow, I think, which is for the Atlantic Coast League Championship. Mm -hmm. Falmouth is fifteen and zero. Um, 
you know, if Sandwich can win that, they would have identical ACL records and they would tie for the league title and tie for the league title automatic playoff berth. But Falmouth beat Sandwich 5-0 earlier this season. And the only individual match uh, where a Sandwich player won more than three games in a set was uh, at three singles where Andrew Meal forced a tiebreaker um, against Ben Helfrich in the Mm -hmm. second set, but then Helfrich shut him out in the tiebreaker. So it is going to be really hard, I think, for Sandwich to win this game. I think this is Falmouth's year. I think they're – they're going to win probably that match. So then if Sandwich can't get it done there, they're going to have to get it done against Martha's Vineyard, which is not going to be easy either. The Vineyard are 10-2. and two. They were undefeated for a long stretch of the season. So if Sandwich wants to get in, the Blue Knights are going to have to be able to beat one really good team this week. Yeah, I mean, Falmouth makes it so difficult, especially in their single spot. Brian S. is having an outstanding year. Mm-hmm. The senior at one single, Ben Helfer, you just mentioned that the three singles. Yep. I mean, that alone – is a good combination, and then their doubles are good too. So West Garland, Luke yeah, Knox. That's I, an... I, I don't see fa- or I don't see a way for Sandwich to chip away unless there's some sort of somebody's missing something, I and mean, who knows? They're seeing yeah. trips around these times, but maybe I think Falmouth is uh, determined, and I think they're destined to, to finish out sixteen and zero. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're going to give this one away either. So Sandwich, really tough road for them. Barnstable, they got one match left. They're seven and eight. They play they host Bridgewater Raynham on Wednesday. Br, that's an Old Colony League opponent. So uh, Bridgewater Rainham won 3-2 way back in April. Um, Brian Gagnon for Barnstable, he won at two singles, and the Red Raiders took the three singles point by forfeit. So mm-hmm. we'll see if BR still has that same uh, roster issue. Um, but Barnstable can win this match. They were competitive in all of the other individual matches against BR. At one singles, Trevor Blaze lost 7-5, 6-2 to Keegan O'Connor. So it was definitely in that first set, and if he takes that, probably go. maybe it goes a different direction. Drew uh, Gutierrez and Kyler Medeiros, they went to three sets at one singles against Ryan Cashman and Liam Stewart. And Luke Eckel and Mike uh, Rodolakis, they forced a tiebreaker in the first set at two doubles against Dave Curtis and Nathan Grady. So Barnstable was a few points away from potentially winning uh, that match in any number of different scenarios against BR earlier this season. So if they just can come through at one of those spots, they got a shot to make the playoffs for sure. Absolutely. It's always exciting when there's a little bit at stake. It really does feel like, a, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, when you're at a bubble team, this mm-hmm. already feels like the postseason. Yeah. You win or you go home. Pretty much. And that could be an advantage heading into the postseason where teams already had us back against the wall. Mm-hmm. But a team that hasn't had that problem, Sturgis West, who can also go perfect with two wins this week. They are going to play Cape Cod Academy today, and then they have St. John Paul tomorrow. They're 14-0. Jack Andre in the number one single spot has done an outstanding job. Sturgis mm-hmm. West. I'm um, an interesting angle on this team. So this used to be a co-op program. Yeah. And what was interesting is, is Coach uh, Ken Huckins uh, was noting that his doubles player, uh, Noah Welpley, he actually attends Sturgis East, mm-hmm. but he was grandfathered in to stay with the Sturgis West program and, and has been a real key part to, to Sturgis nice. West being undefeated this year. So it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, you don't go to these, the school of these guys every day, but they're still really good teammates. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be cool. Sturgis West is kind of a similar story to its boys' golf team when undefeated in the fall. And I know that was an exciting moment. I was there sure. for them at Willow Bend. And, and, and it's a great accomplishment because – to, to bring your game every day and beat a team, you know, talk about the NFL going 16-0, mm-hmm. 
to take everybody that you see and defeat them is an incredible feat and, and one that's definitely you don't see every year as many teams as we have doing. Who might do it this year? Um, on the girls' side, uh, so Bourne, they are 8-9. and nine. They are home against Somerset Berkeley today. They win and they're in. Somerset Berkeley beat Bourne 3-2 in April, um, but basically for Bourne to win this, they need some of their singles players to come through. Their doubles team, Kylie McDonald and Kate Pettacord, and there's two doubles team, Cami uh, Mackinac and Rachel Friedman. They won against Somerset Berkeley, so hopefully they'll be able to um, take those, although both of those doubles matches were competitive. Singles player, the one who probably has the best chance is um, Dania Sarunian, mm-hmm. who won a set off um, Bianca Andronic uh, at three singles um, when they played each other earlier this season. So if she can just win one more set, she's got a chance. You know, Leah Heidenfelter lost 6-4, 6-4 to Jordan Ramos at one singles. And Jordan Torpy lost 6-2, 6-3 to Katie Ledwidge uh, at two singles. So I think three singles is probably where the Canalmen have the best chance, assuming they they take care of business, you know, at doubles. Mm -hmm. uh, Best chance to get in for them, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's no way that they can – Get swept in the doubles and yeah. and not get that one. I, I think honestly they have to they have to sweep doubles. They have to secure it. Right. Um, and I, the same I'm going to say for Sandwich, who is seven and eight. They have two <laughs> games left, and they have two really really hard games, uh, and they need to win one of them. They play Martha's Vineyard, who are twelve and zero. They swept Sandwich five zero earlier this season. Really, not a lot of a surprise there. I think Vineyard probably will be able to handle that. But against Falmouth, who they played in early May, they only lost three mm-hmm. two. Um, and again, it's a situation of the sandwich doubles teams took care of business. Sophie Estelle and Carol Lewis won in straight sets. Alex Burge and Anna Dykeman won in straight sets. Both of them handled uh, you know their matches very easily. Mm-hmm. So at singles. Again, three singles is maybe where Sandwich can pull this out. Caroline Breen, she lost to Julie Bridges, but it was 7-5, so very competitive first set, and then 6-2, which was not. Um, if it does have to go to first or second singles, Jade Ferguson lost 6-0, 6-3 to Julie Moskal, who we just saw go very deep. She made the quarters in the South Sectional Tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sabrina Gonzalez lost 6-3, 6-2 to Paige Mead at two singles. So, again, I think Sandwich – has got to sweep doubles, and somebody at singles has got to step up, and mm-hmm. it's probably it's got to be that Falmouth match because I just don't see Martha's Vineyard giving up three points to mm-hmm. Sandwich. I, I don't even really see him giving up, like, two or one. I think maybe they'll right. win 5-0 again. Well, that's why they play the matches, right? Exactly. And just real quickly on the top, Nasi, um capping off 16-0, and but Martha's Vineyard's got three more matches um, and they, over the next three days. I mean, they start today at Sandwich. They go to Barnstable tomorrow, mm-hmm. Wednesday, and then they end their season with arguably their toughest match. Again, a rematch with Sharon. Sharon. Yep. Arguably the second, you know, strongest program in the state there. So, you know, it's warm today. I mean, definitely going to be preparation for the end of the season. You know, mm-hmm. when you went to St. John's last year, it was almost 100 degrees. Oh, my God. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the car on fire, We've heard, as you've heard from Matt several times. Um but, you know, recovery is key in those matchups, staying hydrated. And I mm-hmm. think the Vineyard, even though there's a lot of travel, I think that's an advantage at a sense that, you know, you can focus in and and get ready to go. But And I think, you know, most of these players played last year, yeah. so I think they're all it's pretty – It's a business approach. I think them, they're pretty yeah. used to it. What will be interesting to see is 
who will get the higher seed, Nauset or Martha's Vineyard? Because they're in the same division this year. The Vineyard moved up from three to mm-hmm. two. So, you know, I think if the Vineyard goes undefeated, and which would imply beating Sharon twice, I think that is probably enough to give them the advantage over Nauset. Mm-hmm. But Nauset is the defending South is a defending South finalist. So, you know, people are going to think very highly of that program as mm-hmm. well. So. I hope those two teams face off I, at some point. It would probably be in the South Finals, um, but I would love to see that match. I think Absolutely. that would be a real fun tennis match. Absolutely. So let's get to track real quickly Yep. because um, so, we got a couple big meets coming up. So Absolutely. Basically how it worked last week at the divisional meets, the top four finishers from East Event last weekend advanced to All-State meets. That's this Saturday at Fitchburg State. Thursday's also the All-State Pentathlon, also at Fitchburg State. Really impressed by Tiana Basie. We talked about her last week. Yeah. Setting the school record in the discus, so 132 feet, 11 inches. I mean, nobody was in six feet of her best yeah. throw. I and mean, that's pretty impressive. And she also won the shot put, too. And she looks to be well on her ways to not just getting to or to getting to New England and possibly even more mm-hmm. when there's some of these meets that go on to, excuse me, other regional meets and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's put together a really special season. She's not done yet. No, not at all. <laughs> Got I, one more year to, to really smash a couple of those other records. Yeah, I, I think I mean I think she would be the favorite at least in the discus to win it at uh-huh. Allstate. And and high schools doesn't have this, but you look at, you know, Basie, I would really be impressed to see her throw the hammer. It's it's an mm-hmm. event that's added in college and sure. Obviously we'll see, but she obviously has the mobility to spin now at the discus and I think that would help a lot to see you know, they do the weight throw indoors in the cage, and then they go to the hammer outdoors. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've seen it, it's a really cool event. You spin yep. around with a yep. giant ball. Um, it would be really be cool to see just to how she would do with that. It's a little more technique-based on the spin, like I said, but I think an event she'd do really well in. But that's that's a story for another day. <laughs> I'm really impressed to see where she goes in the future. But some other results from the D3 meet this past weekend, you know, Nassitz, Matic, and Dobley has been coming back from injury. She joined the – Four by eighteen, Tara Ellard, Rachel Pranga, Izzy Nobley. They were second and nine thirty nine point six seven. Um, on the boys' side, John Curlew from Falmouth and Dylan McNeil were two three respectively in the hundred dash. Mm-hmm. Falmouth also got second from Nick Burgoyne. So those guys are all going on. Uh, Mashby's Cam Kurgo, good for him. At the D four meet, set a new school record in the high jump at six eight. You see guys jumping that high, you, you got to be really talented. Yeah, this. if you've never seen Cam Kurgo play football, he is very fun to watch. He's a wide receiver. All of that height and all of that athleticism, is on. he puts it on display when he runs routes. Mm-hmm. So if you've never been to a Mashpee football game, you know it remains to be seen who's going to be their quarterback next year, but he is worth checking out because he is a very fun player to watch. Absolutely. Um, and a couple others here, Sandwiches, Emma Eastman, she was third in the one mile, also the D4 meet. You know, she finished in five minutes, 21 seconds. Nice time for her. And then a teammate, Kylie Holt, also made it in fourth in the 200-meter dash. Mm-hmm. And it would be what else here. Sturgis West, Aiden Smith, he was fourth in the 200. It's just really cool to see, you know, when you get to the All-State meet, just to be there for a lot of Absolutely. these kids. Yeah, they, they might know they're not going to place high. But a lot of them are chasing after that PR because when you get that best, that best competition yeah. – you typically seem to run your best times. Teams are tapering down at this point anyway. The workouts aren't as intense. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to stay fresh and, and get ready for this meet, which everyone dreams of making. Yeah. So we'll see what the conditions are. We've got a little bit of everything the last few weeks. I think that's going to be a big decider on whether or not people run PRs Like or I not. said last week, bring your sunscreen and also bring a poncho. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Keep your stuff dry. <laughs> and then we want to finish out on sailing. We had the Figawi over the weekend. It was a really cool event to cover. 
I was there Friday night for the kickoff, nice festive atmosphere. And then Saturday, the sailors could, really couldn't have asked for better conditions. It was warm and sunny out, so it might have been a little bit sunburned. I got a little sunburn around the collar. Mm-hmm. That's what I get from buttoning my shirt a little bit. <laughs> it's in the mood of Figali, right? Got to celebrate a Absolutely. little bit. And then uh, choppy conditions a little bit. You know, I had two to th- uh, three feet swells. Okay. But uh, winds between, you know, 15 and 20 knots, which really is a sailor. You can't really ask more for th- exactly. better than that. Um, and then we had the high school for Gowie Sunday. You know, Barnstable winning three or five races there at Greater Harbor Yacht Club. Barnstable's really put together a special season yeah. when it comes to sailing. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, they just really had great boat handling overall. And it's just cool to see them kind of shine. For the, for the high school sailing season, that's kind of like a Super Bowl of sorts. It's kind of a culmination of the high school season. And eh, I think it's more like the Pro Bowl. And it's fun. I, I think it's, it's more fun. fun yeah, than it's an exhibition. That's fair. But everyone looks forward to being part of that atmosphere. Yeah. And Figaui and around here on the Cape, it's just synonymous with big sailing. Pretty and, much. And, I mean, it's the, it is the, prince, the premier regatta right. on Cape Cod. So just, just cool to see um, – Barnstable kind of ended there. And, and a lot of these, and I, and I say the end of the high school season, because a lot of these kids will go on and sail in the summer for their respective clubs mm-hmm. and different regattas. Absolutely. So is just a kickoff, and we got a lot more to go. Cool. So I think that'll just about do it for number episode number 12. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So uh, for more, if, if you didn't catch the show live, you can catch it at capecottimes.com slash capesportsnow. You can also follow us on Twitter at sportscct. You can also reach me on Twitter. That's Steve underscore Derdarian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And I'm Matt Goisman. You can find me on Twitter at, at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And Twitter's going to be important. We'll be following as, as we get the sectional seedings as they come out. We'll be doing our best to keep you updated on Twitter. The MIA kind of trickles them out on their website. But Absolutely. the sooner we know, the sooner we'll get that to you guys. So be checking our Twitter accounts coming Friday and then next Tuesday Cool for uh, for all the brackets. Yeah, we're coming to the end of this thing, and we'll see you all next week. See you in June. Bye.